0: Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, a bloody disgusting show. I'm your host, Jay Krieger.
1: And I'm the other one,
0: Neil Paul. And this week we're getting groovy with Evil Dead the Game from Saber Interactive, in which four survivors are pitted against the demon and the deadite hordes in asymmetrical multiplayer madness. But it isn't just Neil and I revving our saws this week, as we're joined by writer Brandon Trush. Brandon is a Fangoria columnist who's contributed to publications such as our own Bloody Disgusting, PC Gamer, and Gaming Magazine. So without further ado, Brandon, welcome to the show.
2: Super excited to be here, guys. Yeah, That's it's a sad. pleasure to
0: have you, considering uh, also, you know, you've done a great deal of coverage on uh, Evil Dead the Game for, you yep, know, yep. Blade Disgusting and whatnot from, I believe, the, the preview, the review, and then um, you actually chatted with Saber a little bit for a asymmetrical multiplayer roundtable article you did, right?
2: Yep, yep. I have one coming out for Fangoria pretty soon, my my column, so that should be coming out pretty soon. Oh, Nice. <laughs>
0: Terrific! You know, I don't think it's a stretch then to say that you are a fan of uh, asymmetrical multiplayer.
2: I was going to say I'm a huge, huge fan. I love covering it anytime I can. Um, I've been a fan since I first picked up Dead by Daylight like six years ago. Um, Friday the Thirteenth, the game, Resident Evil Resistance. I've pretty uh, prop night VHS. I've picked up quite a few along the way. So <laughs> that's definitely one of my favorite genres to talk about and play.
0: Awesome! You know, I'm somebody that is coming to that style of multiplayer, Um, over the last few years, I've kind of become more familiar with it. You know, I've played a little bit of Dead by Daylight. Uh, I played a fair bit of like Friday the 13th, the game. So I'm curious for you, like, what is the big standout about asymmetrical multiplayer games that, you know, make it an outlier amongst the other, you know, horror multiplayer offerings?
2: Yeah, I feel like there's there's a lot of layers to to that question I could answer. Um, First and foremost, though, what comes to mind is that I love that asymmetrical horror feels very, it's very community focused because um, it's got to be multiplayer and you got to play as a team for the most part. And I think horror is the most fun when it is like a community involved or like you're you're playing with other people experiencing it all together. And asymmetrical forces you to do that. And so there's also like the, the dynamic of, you know, somebody playing as the killer and the people playing as the survivors and, and just taking on those roles is such a blast as well. And not all games give you that option. So I think it's a really unique space in gaming and horror in general.
1: Yeah. I think it um, is such a perfect fit, as you say, for, for horror and even in the team dynamic thing of, you know, even when you don't necessarily work together well, you know, that's kind of feeds into horror again, because, you know, people do that in horror films all the time. They, make stupid decisions they split up when they shouldn't do they sacrifice one to save themselves and only end up getting murdered themselves it's <laughs> and you know evil dead i think takes that even further in a way i think because you know it embraces the other side of it more which i don't think all you know killer side options you get in these games necessarily do that well where they really play up the strengths of being the killer some of them really do work, but and this, I think, is one of them. But it is... Right. Yeah, getting that balance right is very difficult.
0: Probably the one thing that I think makes... I don't know if contentious is the right way to put it, but just, like, asymmetrical, it's very much built upon whether you have that balance or not, right? Mm. And I think that that was maybe some of my apprehension going into The Evil Dead, the game, in that it's like, well, okay, it's this beloved IP... But in the back of my mind, I'm always like, well, is the balance going to be there? Because really, at the end of the day, it's like, sure, you can have a fantastic uh, IP and you can kind of bring it to life in a way that feels very accurate to the films. And that passion from the devs for the love of those films, you know, I'm thinking primarily about – like Friday the 13th, the game, right? Which I loved from a standpoint of it capturing that aesthetic of Friday the 13th. You know, it had all those fantastic various character models, costumes from all the different films of Jason and each of them playing to the strengths of that uh, character build and whatnot, which I loved. When it came to like the balancing side of things for me personally, it didn't feel like it was as much fun to play as a survivor. So that was sort of, the worry then in going towards other types of asymmetrical multiplayer games where I was like, you know, I can appreciate it for a handful of hours based on, you know, being in that world, really kind of getting to be the killer, that iconic killer from the franchise and get getting to live out that, you know, lifelong fantasy of killing horny campers and whatnot. But it was the type of thing that going into evil dead, the game, I was like, well, I hope that it's able to capture the balance of making it, the other side of that killer coin of being like, okay, well the survivors then are just as much, if not more fun to play as. Um, and, you know, given the more combat focus of the evil dead game, you know, with thinking about Friday the 13th, it's like, well, you're playing dumb campers. Like they can only do so much. Um, I was really curious to see kind of how that balance would land. And, you know, I'm curious kind of for you guys, let's start there, I guess for you, Brandon, like how did you find the balance between playing as a survivor and then you know, the Deadite, uh, the Deadite Demons.
2: Yeah, I I mentioned the Neil. For me, with Ace of I think that playing as the killer is sometimes really hit or miss. And kind of touching on your whole balance point too. Like sometimes, uh, like in Resident Evil Resistance, for example, I hated playing as the killer. I thought it was really buggy and annoying. And when I played Evil Dead the game, it's very similar to Resident Evil Resistance when you play as the killer, but I feel like they nailed it really well the best way I can put it is like, it really feels like all of the survivors are in a haunted house and you're the one that's controlling all the levers of everything that's happening in this haunted house. And that feeling of control is amazing. And on the other hand, playing as a survivor, I think they really nailed it because it's not like dead by daylight where you load out with four perks. And then that's the only thing that really is making you unique as a survivor. And this you have, you know, there's all sorts of different weapons. There's all sorts of different skills. Um, you don't have to, if you want to play melee, you can play melee. If you want to play ranged, you can play ranged. And then and then keeping it exciting, too, when you're killing deadites and getting to do those sick finishing moves and the cinematic finishing moves just keeps it fresh, too. Um, I feel like there's, you can tell there's been a lot of thought put into, you know, making each survivor a unique character to play and not just a template that has a couple, you know, little perks that can change your gameplay dynamic. There's a lot to customize here. And I think that really strikes that balance really well.
1: Um, Yeah, I was going to say that I think its key strength in getting that balance right is because it understands its license quite well and uses it well as a result, which, you know, that was often the strength of Friday the 13th, for instance. And, you know, on the demon side, I said, it's the fact that there are things to do beyond just you must kill them. That's it. And stop them getting escaping. It's like, no, we also want you to f- fuck around with them, mess them up, you know, play, you know, horrible, malicious pranks on them effectively. And what is more evil dead than that when you think about it? And then on the other side of it, as a group, it's testing how you work as a group, you know, by trying to split you up, trying to put you off your footing by, you know, you can't even trust your own teammates, you know, because they get end up possessed and all this. And yeah, I just... This is the amazing thing about it, and I think it just shows the evolution of this little sort of genre in the last few years, is you go to something like Dead by Daylight, which feels very simple by comparison, and not just because of combat, even. It, it's um, that there are extra elements to even at the game... That, that make each side fun to play in their own special way. And while maybe Survivor is the lesser balanced, I find, personally, just because it takes a while to get used to that combat style, which is very, you know, very... We're not going to have targeting so much. You have to do everything swinging in the dark and not really know what's going on, and that can be a bit unwieldy. But, you know, tonally and thematically, it fits for the game they're playing you know you are while you are strong you can fight you can also just be scared and panicked and chaotic and having to swing at pretty much anything that's going on around you and I like the idea with this especially is that unseen presence which I think which you were saying about um, resistance Brandon is that um, you know there you are pretty much puppet master pulling the strings again and Making things appear and maybe jumping into the one or two when you get the opportunity. And it's the same here. But the flip side of that is, you know, the, the people on the survivor side don't get to know where you are really until they you know stuff starts happening. And I like that. It, again, works with the license really well. And so yeah, beyond just, you know, very much gameplay mechanics in a very, you know, hands on sense, it's just, feeding everything into this evil dead aura and making sure that both sides work within that framework really well. And that's what it ends up doing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you actually bring up a really good point too. It's something I covered in my review and Jay, you kind of touched on this too. Um, when I went into the game, I thought, you know, 10 years ago, if you said this is an asymmetrical horror game and it's based on evil dead, Um, You know, asymmetrical horror was still pretty new at the time. I'm sure the novelty of it would have been like, all right, great. But now, since it's kind of a more established genre, there's this question of, you know, are they going to lose themselves by trying to faithfully adapt the IP and, you know, and, and lose, adapt, like getting this genre down and this formula down well? Um, and on the flip side, well, maybe they'll try and focus too much on appeasing that side and not adapting the IP well. And that was the biggest thing that impressed me was that I felt like they really struck that balance perfectly to me. I can you can tell they did their research into you know both, and and it fits perfectly. I think into the asymmetrical formula. So
0: yeah, they really do. Or they really are able to you know experiment creatively in terms of like playing as the killer in this, and it's probably because you know. Asymmetrical multiplayer now is this established thing, and you've had, you know, any number of games that have been successful. And, you know, not to, I suppose, trivialize their accomplishments and whatnot, but like when I think of something like Dead by Daylight or Friday the 13th, the game, right, it's very much the killers have different abilities, they take on different aesthetics and whatnot, but you are this singular figure that is kind of traipsing around the map, and more or less, like you are going to chase down the survivors in a similar fashion. And what I was most impressed about with playing as the demon in Evil Dead was that it almost takes on like this kind of almost, uh, I would say it's akin to like a real-time strategy game almost where you can kind of Hmm. divvy up the different ways that you want to fuck with the survivors, right? You can either take a more hands-on approach by possessing one of the deadites that are scattered around the map. You can lay those traps. And again, coming back to the haunted house uh, analogy and kind of just like set up traps that don't necessarily deal a great amount of damage to them or the idea is not to like, oh, well, this is going to be the killing blow. But sometimes it's just to kind of like slow down the survivors or, you know, throw them off balance. Like I think about how you can basically plant a mimic in those uh, equipment chests that they can find. Right. And, you know, maybe they deal a little bit of damage. I'm not sure. But overall, it just it always was a surprise when that happened. And it always kind (laughs) of like threw off my plan by a moment, whether it was going to be, you know, ashes severed uh deadite hand or one of the little mini ashes from army of darkness and you know even an example like that where it's like functionally it's the same but there's a different sort of evil dead flavor to those uh traps like that to me is such a smart way to use the ip in a way that you know for people that might not be the biggest evil dead fans they might not pick up on that sort of like nod to one of the films in the series but it seems like such a smart way to add just a little more variety in a way that, you know, it m- can make it more surprising, I suppose, the more you encounter it, you know, even though there's probably only two or three renditions of it. It's little details like that that I think is a smart use of the IP and exploring more than just, you know, the fan favorites of the series, uh, if you will, in more ways than one, which I'm sure we will uh, we'll get into.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, sort of when you were saying about it has a strategy edge to it. Um, you know, I, I liken it to tower defense games in a way that you you are basically like in live real time, sort of constantly upgrading and building your defenses and against. But I suppose you could call it if you know if you can call a game a reverse horror because you're playing as the bad guy. In a sense, I suppose it's, it's a reverse strategy you know, um, tower defense game, but you know, the way it takes things. Yeah, that that is an interesting wrinkle on it that really does add to it and like as Brandon said before Resident Evil Resistance pretty much is (laughs) destined to be like the evolve of this era of asymmetrical multiplayer where it's like it itself did not do well enough and died a quick death but it did something that was teachable and could be implemented elsewhere and more successfully and I think this is probably the first example. I think um, the Ghostbusters game, when that comes out and does it, that's going to do a similar sort of thing from what I've seen. So, you know, in terms of like, you know, affecting the area and scaring the people and manipulating the environment as well as that, rather than just head on attacking them. So, yeah, okay. that that it, it's cool to see this sort of split from the established sort of idea of what this should be. That's coming from that, and it's interesting, isn't it? They've both these big changes were sort of come from what you would call failures you know, overall.
0: Yeah, it's just a really smart again utilization of taking that influence from the films and whatnot, and applying it in a way that is basically like I would assume like an Evil Dead fans' dream, right? In mm. terms of like capturing that Sam Raimi, you know, camera first person view, or the you know the spirit, Ken spirit spirits, like flying through the woods basically and like letting the player be in control of that and get to experience that on their own in a way which you know funny enough is the best example i think of like environmental traversal in the game and i'll come back to that in a little bit because that's probably one of my few main gripes with the game itself but like nailing that sense of fluidity with like jumping around the map which i think again like it really does feed into that idea that and you know the problem with a lot of asymmetric multiplayer that you always want the killer to not like waste a great deal of time just chasing down the survivors. Right. You want mm-hmm. to give them shortcuts to getting to the, you know, the action, so to speak, as it were, uh, like as quickly as possible or in a little more of a uh, streamlined manner. And so to allow them to do that, but to not just sort of facilitate a traditional killer or just playing as like the dead eye or the necromancer, or whatnot, but then giving them multiple facets I just love because it really does reinvent and keep the player or the survivors rather kind of just on their toes of not knowing what to expect next. That was probably one of my main faults, I suppose, with some asymmetrical games where the killer, it's like after you encounter them a few times, it's you can begin to sort of anticipate. But I found that with Evil Dead, the game, even though I didn't necessarily play as the demon a majority of the time i spent a lot of time playing as survivor um i was still more on edge i found than i was with the other games and styled games uh that i've played similar to this and that i was like well i have to be on edge because i have to be looking out for traps or i have to be on the lookout for a deadite warrior that is more uh like supercharged or something like that and kind Mm. of just you get that little preview at the very beginning of a match right of which one of the main demons you're going to be facing and Trying to again like piece together in the back of my mind while trying to, you know, find equipment and things like that as a survivor of like what to expect next. Um, I thought it provided an extra level of just like urgency and you know, establishing a plan with my teammates, finding an adequate amount of loot so I'm not the guy running around just like throwing punches basically for the first third of the match. Um yeah. it, it made for a much a much faster pace I found that I really appreciated.
1: So I was going to ask this, actually, thinking about it. How do we feel about the way that both sides are implemented at the beginning where there's this sort of defenselessness about whatever you play as? You know, if you're a survivor, you're dropped in, it's go find a weapon, go do this, which feels more like a survival game. You know, um, I mean, which I suppose is closer to what Sabre had done before with World War Z. And... But they are also countered by having this relative safety of knowing the Kandarian demon is far away, doesn't know where they are to begin with, and is relatively powerless until they get going. And get. And I like that about it, personally, that, you know, as the demon, you're kind of encouraged to try and do different things from the off because, you know, it's the only way you're going to get the levels up to keep upgrading your equipment and such. And so you can become this more powerful thing and so it kind of pays to sort of at the beginning of a match go around to the key points set traps, do things like that because it really pays off later then when if you're in a bind, they go to, you know, the survivors go to that point and the spring in traps left, right and center and it's basically fueling you nicely It it's really, I, I really enjoyed that side of it. And for the survivors you know, like Knowing full well, as you get further in the match, that you have to think about what's going to go on at the end, and like, we could try and tackle it now while we know the demon's a bit further away. You know, when you've banished it from one of the circles, and you're not far away from the main objective, or you could go. Well, we could go stock up, and uh, you know, this place over here we haven't checked. Get some more ammo. Maybe get some better weapons. I like that sort of dynamic of it. That it does feel more like a survival game in the Resident Evil sense, where you are basically like living by what you can pick up. You know, combat with weapons is fine in melee. You can do that whatever, but you know, with guns, they're generally fairly unwieldy, you know, hard to use in close quarters and you know everything's running at you from all directions. So they end up being a last resort rather than being relied on yeah and, and i think that yeah, you know, that's why they have the right character builds for that and then you have still, characters that are better for doing melee attacks and so yeah how did we feel about that that whole sort of progression from you know, nothing to basically choosing how you're going to evolve your game on the fly you know depending on what your opponents are doing
2: Yeah, I think that's actually a really great point. And one of the main things that I also really appreciated about the game is that the addition of being able to level up on both the killer and the survivor sides really raises that tension and it brings for a really great climax to the match because like you said, you're collecting, you're trying to preserve all of your healing items, your ammo, you're trying to find the best weapons. You're also trying to strategically level up. Like, you know, if you notice that the killer likes to possess people then you're naturally like let's all level up our fear meters so we don't our fear meter doesn't go up or etc and it and so it never really feels like with something like dead by daylight where you know if if somebody disconnects or something like that and it's just like all right this is this is a this is a wrap whereas with evil yeah. dead it's like mm-hmm. there's a lot of progression you're you're all leveling up and it's all going to lead to that that final standoff and i think that keeps it really exciting like it never really feels like all of hope is lost for either side because you're you're both like you know in God uh, strengthening up and collecting more um and I think that's a really cool addition that I haven't really seen with a lot of asymmetrical games that 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 kind mm-hmm. of progression and like leveling up during the match I and mean, in each match I think that's that's a really cool addition that I'm really happy about
0: yeah that multi kind of dynamic progression I think in terms of long term and short term from like match to match where you're picking up those like pink elixirs, like you had said, and kind of just upgrading based off of what you've been encountering leading up to, you know, the finale and whatnot. And then thinking in the back of your mind also of like how you want to progress a certain character and the long term of like, well, I've had like different strategies that you kind of will develop just from playing and experiencing it and how you adapt to situations. Like it makes for a nice reward system that, you know, for somebody like me that isn't one of those people that will – have kind of a stable multiplayer games that I'm constantly playing. I kind of have a tendency to jump around. This would be the type of progression system though, that if I were inclined to do that, I would gravitate towards more a game like this that does that because it's like, well, yeah, match to match. I like having that ability to like really lean into the different, you know, whether it be combat or defensive avenues to support my team, but long-term, you know, upgrading those various characters and, that fall into the different classes and whatnot um, allows for you to really, you know, craft your own, uh, you know, combat or defensive narrative long-term without sort of just the rather traditional, like, oh, you can unlock a new chainsaw or a new boomstick, which then would kind of undercut what Neil has been talking about in terms of like that, that franticness at the very beginning of, oh, we have to armor up and sort of doing your best to kind of, you know, suss out where equipment might be in terms of obviously it's randomly generated. I believe every time you play, but in terms of like just getting a feel for the design and where you're more than more uh, likely to, you know, find a melee weapon or some more uh, defensive items and whatnot. I will say though, the one thing that I wish they kind of had adapted or included was um, not so much of a reliance on, or I suppose, you know, multiple additions of equipment. So that way you don't have those people that are kind of like just running up as soon as you open up a chest and they (laughs) kind of gank your stuff. Like, again, that's where the communication aspect comes in. But at the same time, like that is, you know, that's the double edged sword with multiplayer games and you're playing with randos and stuff. You don't have any say in that, whether they're going to be helpful teammates or, you know, just want to be an army of one, uh, which that's more of a multi a gripe with multiplayer in general um yeah
1: but- I mean, it's because generally multiplayer games uh, when they're developed the assumption is well people will play with their friends mostly and they're designed with that in mind first and not the whole you know stranger danger problem we get and the problem is if you go that way and you try to make a game develop for strangers first it does lose something, I think. You know, there are games that you can pull off where playing with strangers works, but it's, you know, when you, if you're focusing on it. But yeah, I get why you had this continued sort of perseverance with the idea that people want to play with their friends because generally that's where the fun is. It's, it's you know, the communication and the stories that come out of it, you know, that make even the most middling multiplayer game fun, you know, when people can co-op, I mean, of course I have good memories of Aliens, Colonial Marines, you know because it was so fucked up and stupid, that game, but playing it together with other people just made it funnier that when it was going wrong rather than the awful disaster of playing with strangers, you know <laughs> and seeing all this terrible stuff happening to it. So yeah, it's it's a tough balance to get right and I'm not sure we ever will really get it there, but yeah, you know, it's minuscule, I think, here. And I think the key always is making sure that whatever you're doing is making it as entertaining as possible for whatever you're doing job you have.
0: Yeah, I think in terms of this game where it's te- like, I'm thinking about the franticness of the opening moments of, you know, like a Battlegrounds type game or PUBG or something where everybody's scattering to try to grab the mm. best gun within arm's reach so you can, you know, kill people in your immediate area. But in this game where it's so heavily team-based and – well, obviously it's team-based and, you know, there is that imbalance of the demon being essentially like an all-knowing being of like being able to jump around the map very quickly and stalking its prey and whatnot and being able to level up its abilities faster, I think, than the survivors are able to, you know, find adequate equipment and things of that nature. Um, I wish that it was the thing where, okay, the items that populate in my world – Are populating in my teammates' world, and we don't have to have this power struggle of who grabs what first. Um, I think that might kind of undercut a little bit of that imbalance that I'm sure we'll talk about with uh, the survivors, just because it's like, well, you know, you have that opening moment where both sides essentially are going to, you know, armor up or gear up in different ways. But at the same time, it might give the survivors that little bit of an edge where it's like, okay, I don't have to worry about somebody stealing the power-ups that are in this chest or grabbing a handgun and the melee weapon and then i have to run around and then i get left behind meanwhile my fear meter is rising and whatnot it might (laughs) add just like a little more cohesion but maybe that's uh that's me being greedy
1: yeah it's it's, this is it is i think again going into these experiences everyone's going to have different issues because you know everyone has stuff that bugs them and they enjoy about playing with multiplayer games and it's just an unsolvable problem and you know outside you know fixing technical issues so yeah it's it's a finding to sort out I'm sure but uh, I'm sure there'll be many tweaks and fixes over the years and we'll have this
0: Brandon, for you, you know, we've talked so much about the demon side of things with the survivors, you know, for the most part, my experience, again, with like asymmetrical multiplayer games, you're playing as a survivor, but it's very much make as little noise as possible. You're completing an objective and there's always a means to escape the killer's grasp, but very rarely is combat a main focus or drive. Um, How did you find the survivors being a much more heavily combat-focused uh, rendition of Asymmetrical Multiplayer and Evil Dead. Right.
2: I th- Honestly, I find it really refreshing. Um, I-, I like that kind of what we've talked about before, that the killer isn't a singular entity. And it's not like there's just this awkward fight like with the, the killer and you, and that's the whole match. I like that there's little henchmen that you can take out. But it's never like... You know, it never feels like it's too difficult or too easy until they spawn one of, the, like, the really powerful bosses where <laughs> where the demon possesses somebody. I, I, I like that it feels really fluid in that way. And, and like I said before, the cinematic finishing moves, it always feels really satisfying taking out Deadites. And it, I, I think it keeps the matches from feeling super redundant. Um, and, like... Like I mentioned, it's not something that's really come up before in asymmetrical horror. So uh, I'm really excited with how it's it's being explored.
0: Yeah, I like that. And to build off of what you just said in terms of these like little skirmishes with the minions, it almost takes on sort of like a MOBA feel minus the control points, right? Where you're kind of like fighting these mini battles against these AI controlled henchmen. And you know that the one that's orchestrating everything is somewhere nearby, but... It isn't that one-to-one battle the entire time, which I really like because it kind of gives you more opportunity to flourish in that combat side of being a survivor. And it gives you lots of little victories, which I love. And, you know, like Mm. we've mentioned, like it gets to show off the more technically impressive parts of this game, which are those finisher moves, which are not only varied, but varied in their brutality based on, you know, the type of weapon and there is I think a good amount of variety based on each weapon in terms of the finishers that you can uh, that you can use. It doesn't always feel, you know, granted, you play anything long enough, you're going to see r- the repeated animations and things like that, but still like there is a good amount of a variety I found based on each of them and there's that again, coming back to like that evil dead sort of personality and there's a little goofiness in there, but it pairs so well with the brutality I found throughout
2: yeah, there's no I was yeah. there's nothing like playing as Cheryl in her skirt and having a medieval sword and run through the forest and, and slicing a dead head off. It's <laughs> it's pretty amazing actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Just to um draw back on what you were saying about that with the having a relative idea of where the demon is, I like that you can sort of see a bit of uncertainty in, in the survivors by pre setting traps at certain areas. You know, even Willy Nilly and, and just for them to think, oh, they must be here, you know, and they, you know, they're guards up. And all the while, it's stalling them for you to actually show up and know where they are. You know, it's basically setting like the old string full of tin cans, you know, but in demon form. And yeah, I like that, you know, because again, the, the greatest thing about this being an unseen entity is that you can just have that fear instilled in people where they're like, well, they could be here. It might not be here. It could just be that they set a trap 10 minutes ago, and we happened to stumble into it, and yeah, it's like, I mean, one of my favourite things is just taking a car from them, just waiting for them, waiting, waiting, <laughs> and waiting, and then just as they all get in, drive off, and take the car away from them. It's like, or running them over with it, which is hard pre- to do. I'm pretty, sure there's,
2: I'm pretty sure there's a small feature. Um, when you're playing as the demon, if you're hovering near the survivors, there is a little bit of a growl that you can hear, mm-hmm. and I think that's so funny. I was playing with the developers when I previewed and every time I'd hover around them, I didn't know about this feature, but they'd be like, all right, we're going, oh no, oh no, he's here. Oh, I can hear him. Oh, he's around here. And it's like, I just <laughs> love hearing that reaction. It, it just makes you, it makes you feel powerful as the killer. And like, I, yeah. I, I think a big thing that I come back to is the sense of agency. I think that there's a big sense of agency on both the survivor side and the killer side. And it never really feels like a give and take with it. I feel like there's always a sense of agency until, you know, you're a survivor and you get knocked down. All right, whatever. But, yeah. you know, you know, as a survivor, I have the power to kill and fight back. And as the demon, it's like, all right, you took down my deadite, but I'm just going to go possess your car and run you over now, or I'm going to go possess <laughs> a tree now. You know, it, it never feels like there's you're being stripped of your agency in the game. And I think that's really, that's really great.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And, you know, having a lot of different kind of ways to harass the survivors, I think is great because it would be very much, I think, a misunderstanding of how that imbalance works, right? It's not always just, oh, well, you have to watch out for getting one shot at, or, you know, this killer, if he uses this ability, there's a fourth of your health, there's a third of your health type of thing. And I think that the way in which you can kind of harass the survivors and kind of destabilize them You know, from what little I played as the demon, like, that was the most rewarding part. I didn't necessarily go out of my way to possess a lot of the deadites to go after them. It was more about laying traps, you know, stealing a mode of transportation or possessing somebody, which even when you possess somebody because their fear meter goes up too high, it very rarely is it the case where, like, oh, you're going to deal so much damage to the survivor that it's going to kill them. You know, if you're strategic with it, you can obviously use that to your uh, advantage. But it's more about just kind of like throwing the survivors a series of curveballs, which I think works really, really well in tandem with the survivors, you know, having more of an emphasis on combat than in my experience, a majority of the asymmetrical multiplayer games I've played. Um, And, you know, even with the survivors in the four classes, you know, you've got leader, warrior, hunter support that each gravitate towards their strengths and weaknesses. At the end of the day, though, like, at least each of them feels as if they can hold their own in small scale to medium scale sort of encounters with the deadites, which I really liked even with guys that are, you know, the classes that are more ranged focused, at least you can um, kind of be able to hold your own in small scale AI fights. You know, maybe when the deadite necromancer or something shows up, that's a different story. But, you know, it's one of those things where I found the ability to fight back was a big deal for me because that's sort of usually my, uh, my hang up with these types of games. I get tired of cowering after a while. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I can only do that for so long in matches before I get a little frustrated, but that's a me thing again. But uh, I think right. this is a good point for us to, uh, to take a quick break and we'll regroup and keep chatting. Evil dead, the game. And we're back chatting about Evil Dead the Game with Brandon Trush. Um, so since we ta- we were talking about the survivor side of things, uh, I'm curious, Brandon, what was maybe one or two of the character classes that you gravitated towards or, you know, characters themselves within those classes?
2: So it's kind of ironic. I actually instantly gravitated towards support, but I did that because I wanted a leadership role. I, I like to take the leader in in these kind of games. But, so you'd think I would go for a leader character, but I like support knowing how important it is. So specifically, Cheryl's one support ability where she can heal everyone in a specific range, I'd known about that. Um, I feel like I'm kind of like a watchdog. I'm good at, you know, like divvying out, like we got to go here, we got to do that, but I'll watch your back. And so I definitely gravitate towards support.
0: How about you, Neil? Uh-
1: Kelly that was it really I mean I, I, I pretty much play as Kelly and Kelly only because I think it just suits the way I like playing these sort of things which is with reckless abandon as Brandon pr- can probably attest <laughs> from the time we played together <laughs> so, uh, yeah I, I like getting in the thicker things and um, smacking things up a bit and probably not paying as much attention to what I should be doing uh, as a result but still yeah, it it's, uh, it worked out that time, didn't it, Brandon? Because I, I sacrificed myself, obviously, for the greater good at the end. That, that, that's, def- that's definitely we won, what happened. So that's anyway. what matters. <laughs> yes, that's it.
0: <laughs> you know, call me unoriginal, but I gravitated towards Ash, uh, obviously, and it was refreshing. You know, obviously, with a game like Evil Dead that has a fan base that loves that character, loves the characters in the world across the, you know, the Raimi films and even the series itself, you know, it was refreshing to see them include four different versions of Ash, you know, going across those films and the series, just because, you know, you inevitably will run into the issue of like, well, everybody wants to play Ash. Hmm. And so it's like having that character, but be able to have it facilitate four separate, faculties of combat i thought was really really a smart use of the ip and that's you know going across all of the character options right you can also as we've mentioned you can play as kelly you can play as annie you can play as pablo even like lord arthur and these things characters that really are representative of the evil dead ip for a number of decades but they're not just sort of like aesthetic differences right it is fundamentally there are strategic differences to all of the different characters and classes in a way that had a level of depth that i was honestly not expecting again like i am not the most versed in asymmetrical but i'm thinking in terms of like the friday the 13th game each of the survivors had the different sort of trope abilities that were tied with their characters the jock is stronger the athlete that one of the nerds or something is better with fixing things and whatnot And then the killer, various Jason outfits, play towards the weapon strengths or, you know, based on some things that they did in the movies, those perceived Mm. strengths. And I was surprised that the Evil Dead game had a level of complexity to the abilities and, again, like we would mentioned, the sort of multi-dynamic progression for each of the classes and characters of something like Dead by Daylight, but I think maybe – a little less hardcore in that regard, it was more streamlined some of the abilities, but there was that growth in kind mm. of giving the player the option to veer into one lane, whether it be defensive or more support focused or offensive. Um, there was a great depth of options in how you want to play out matches, which I really, really appreciate in terms of you know just every time I played, I was able to facilitate a new role. And it wasn't in sort of like a surface level examination of a different role. It wasn't just ranged or melee focused. Like there are a number of different sort of, not just combos, but of ways that you can carry the specific, you know, role. And it be successful in whether it be for your own sort of overcoming those mini engagements or, you know, really turning the tide of a battle with your special abilities and whatnot.
1: Yeah. I mean... I find it interesting that that gets brought up about modes with these sort of games where you know it's like, oh, well, there's only one mode, there's only one this, that, or a certain amount of maps or killers or whatever. But I think more multiplayer games have shown in recent years that it's not really about having different modes to uh, have longevity necessarily. It's about offering enough variety and randomness to what you have that and this goes back to this you know the, the whole in-game upgrade system that you only know, get this one-off sort of set of upgrades that you get for that match it adds something different each time and allows you to change the way you play on the fly alongside you know the different skill sets the characters bring to everything and you know for a a game uh, the price point it was which is you know a uh, mid-range Price point when it came out, and you know, a game is effectively live service at launch. It offers a lot, and I think that gets forgotten um, when you do see that criticism of it. Is that you know there are other examples out there that are a uh, trying to grind the experience out a bit more, and this seems to be pretty much offering everything up on the table and saying, "This is it. You know, you can earn all this by playing and having fun." and doing whatever, and I like that about it, you know, you can get a lot out of just trying things, you know, and it's it takes what I call the, you know, the battlefield approach, as battlefield used to be, where it's like you're getting rewarded, not just for kills and assists, so to speak, but, you know, you're getting stuff for, like, helping people for discovering things, and it 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 rewards all different kinds of play and allows more people to enjoy it in different ways and that in itself then means that you get more variety in the player base in terms of who comes in you know the casual player can play alongside someone who's more you know into it because there are different things that they can take from it and offer to each other from it and you know like Brandon was saying we're playing support ironically I think it works so well because it goes back to that sort of battlefield model where support was encouraged you know and made to feel like a really important thing like being the medic I you know I used to love doing that in battlefield all the time because if even if I felt like I wasn't quite getting on with the shooting I was helping the team and making us get better as a team and keep pushing on with the strength of other people and Yeah, that's that's a fantastic thing about it. I think that you have this dynamic that you can just chop and change, and possibly why you know with strangers it works fairly well, despite you know the yeah despite the randomness of well a stranger can turn up and just decide not to do anything or bugger off before you've really got into it. But still, you know, it offers that encouragement. It's not a case of you win, we lose, you know, there's a lot to be gained, even in defeat. And it doesn't always feel like that in games in this genre. So that is highly commendable.
2: Yeah, yeah I feel like you bring up a really great point. Um, we kind of discussed it before, too. Um, with these games, when it comes to how competitive they get, I know that sometimes it can veer yeah. into really toxic territory and that makes yeah. it not fun. But I am excited for as time goes on and you know, the game gets a more regular player base that is familiar with the game, There, are, you'll run less into the issue of, like, starting with strangers that have no idea what's going on or just, like, veering off on their own, yeah. leaving the group, and then, like, everything falls apart. There'll be a more regular player base that understands the class system and the importance of, you know, hitting certain objectives, etc. And while maybe it'll turn into a competitive thing, I think it's pretty cool if it doesn't get toxic because it's like, you know, then even the killer side will recognize, you know, I know who this the support characters are. I know who to target. Or, you know, yeah. I know who the hunters are. I know that they're relying on using ranged weapons. So when I possess them, I'm going to just wait to sell their bullets. And there's going to be exactly. that element of, you know, people are just more familiar with the game. And I'm, I'm really excited to see it because you've seen that happen with Dead by Daylight. It's, it's almost like it's gotten better with age in a lot of ways because just because... The player base has stuck with it for so long, and are so familiar with the game now. And now, and then that gave, like, then it, uh, you know, terms like, like looping the killer, or you know, or uh, sandbagging and stuff. Like all of these little sub tropes came out of Dead by Daylight as time went on, and I'm excited to see with Evil Dead the game. It'll be the same thing where this is such a complex and like death to the gameplay and the mechanics and and the classes and all that i think that there could be really like really cool culture i think is what i'm getting at there's going to be a really cool culture i think that will develop with this game and it gets me excited because i can tell that saber is really invested in that in that long term you know they're already showing like new maps that they want to incorporate and they're already patching things and they're listening to the the player base so it's one of those things where yeah i'm excited how it is right now I, it's great and like right away and i think it's only going to get even more rated as time goes on and i think that's kind of unique to like asymmetrical multiplayer in a lot of ways because it is still new and there still is a lot of innovation that's going to come with it and so yeah i'm excited to sit back and enjoy the ride and see what happens
1: yeah i mean you bring up a good point about the chopping and changing and how they're learning from each other because, you know, recently with dead by daylight. We've had this where, you know, they're announcing things that other asymmetrical games have sort of implemented in the wake of what they've done. And they were like, Oh, okay, we well, better probably better do this. They're realizing that there is competition growing out there, which is only ever going to be helpful for that game to grow, you know? and, possibly its weakest point in, in the last few years has been the point where it's been able to rest on its laurels while its nearest rival w- was Friday the 13th, got, you know, basically ransacked by you know, IP theft. <laughs> and it's... Um, so it, it's a really positive move. And yeah, and Sabre, you're right. They You know, with World War Z, even, the, you know, they were supporting that until last year. With aftermath, you know, and which you know added like a whole new first-person mode to that game and made it something. Even more, and that game was a really solid Left for Dead clone, you know. And again, we've seen so many games try to copy that model and fail over the years that that one kind of went under the radar because it was a really good, solid attempt at doing it, and it worked. And it took the most interesting bits of that film. Yeah, it it was nothing like the book. Let's be honest, but um, yeah, (laughs) you weren't just like, "We're going to do this multiplayer match for five minutes." Then you're going to go and see another multiplayer match in five minutes. In um, it really was just more like, "Yeah, this is the Brad Pitt film. His walls are zombies running over and spilling out into," which you know, for a video game with that dynamic, it just is an impressive thing to do, and just to get which is why it filled me with confidence going into this, that they would know what they were doing. Because, like, even on a shitty film like that, they they were like, we know what the best bits are. We know what people like about it and what looks impressive. And here it is. And they make it work as a game thing, you know, and to be like, you had those standoff moments of World War Z where you you know that wave of zombies is coming all up over the wall, and it's just like, oh, my God, that's that's crazy. You know, and that looked worse, you know, once they took the first-person stuff in and made that all more effective. And, yeah, and you see it here in Evil Dead, where it has just become, you know, they get the Kandarian demon stuff right, you know, down to the Raimi cam, and they, tonally, everything's right. And, you know, it's slightly campy, slightly junk, tongue-in-cheek, violent, and slapstick, yeah, you know, is all there. It is very much that. Sorry, go on, Jay.
0: Yeah, Saber. I mean, they're very keen at finding the most unique aspect of the, you know, the IP that they're going to be using as the basis for their game, and then really going in, all in on that. And yeah. you know, the whether or not it their game has a clone framework or not, it doesn't matter because they're you know evolving essentially on that. What might initially be a clone kind of framework to something like a Left 4 Dead or, you know, another type of asymmetrical multiplayer game. But they're giving it the unique aspect that makes it a standout. And I would say that that is what is most reassuring about, in the, you know, the 10 hours I spent with Evil Dead, was that from a gameplay standpoint, like, it's not perfect, but I think that it is a far stronger foundation than I was expecting. And there's enough unique aspects there that it feels like a wholly unique, you know, entry in that sort of asymmetrical multiplayer conversation in a fundamental way from a gameplay perspective. And that's probably why, you know, Neil, you kind of uh, shared this sentiment a little bit where it was like people that say, oh, there aren't enough modes or enough maps. It's like, but the foundation there feels stronger, even if there's some work to be done there or some polishing rather, the foundation there feels stronger than I was expecting and stronger maybe than other asymmetrical horror games in the same space that it provides enough of an experience that immediately feels uniquely different and provides or scratches an itch that other games in the space have not. So given that, you know, they have clearly a great understanding of this universe and, you know, have the added benefit at the moment, fingers crossed, of not having any, you know, legal issues tied up into the IP, which is, you know, the fate that befell The Friday the 13th game essentially and you know cutting off the flow of content that they wanted to add to that like yeah it's not a stretch to put trust in Saber and like okay yeah we're gonna get and I think they've already announced this like an army of darkness castle map or something Mm. of that effect and like that is kind of the roadmap and the future of it and you know it it comes back for me the main thing and maybe it's the more kind of neanderthal take but like allowing the survivors to have a fighting chance and to have combat even if maybe you know the odds are never really in your favor with combat in terms of the amount of deadites and demons you can face you know there is something in becoming familiar with the game in the sense of like okay maybe you don't understand the nuances of the strategy and the abilities but you can have an impact for the group just from doing the kind of core combat mechanics swinging and shooting your way through a crowd of enemies and you know that is contributing something to a degree that players are getting these mini victories and they're also familiarizing themselves more and more whether it's through you know actively partaking in an instance or just watching how other players are able to do that and you know i think those mini victories are really essential in kind of allowing people or gamers to Become more familiar and more comfortable with the game rather than again, like what has my experience been with something like Dead by Daylight, where it's like kind of get frustrated after a while when I'm clearly not good at this and that I keep all I can do is like crouch or you know, knock over a two by four or whatever to uh, impede the killer or something. And you yeah. know, again, that's more of a me thing, but I just like having that mini sort of gratification from okay, I'm contributing something early on and. It's almost more exciting, I find, when you realize like you can contribute in this way and you have been contributing to the group, but then you realize, oh, well, I can sort of tie these different mechanics into what I've been doing already and be even more effective. And when you have that player progression, like we've talked about, I mean, the sky seemingly is the limit in that regard in terms of like how much more you can grow as a player and a contributor to the group. I guess we should round out with, uh, we didn't even touch upon the single player stuff, which has been sort of a point of contention for more ways than one i guess the main thing is that it's single player content that for whatever reason you have to be connected to the internet all the time which has periodically (laughs) been a nuisance where (laughs) having your plot considering like how much more difficult the single player content is because you're obviously on your own and there's no checkpoints or save points and you get ganged up on and you know it almost takes on sort of like a uh a Souls aspect of combat, right? Where it's like, it can be brutal and you only have a certain amount of health items and you have to get into the ebb and flow of combat of, you know, destabilizing or debalancing the enemy, so then you can kind of just like go right at their health bar, you have a limited amount of ammo, and just kind of getting in that ebb and flow. Mm. Um, Brandon, how did you find sort of just the single player offerings of uh, Evil Dead?
2: Jay, it's so funny you bring up the Souls like, because I literally was thinking when I was playing the, the missions, I kept Dodging because you can <laughs> jump back, and I was like, "Damn, it's good thing I got my yeah. dodge rolls down from Elden Ring. I, I feel prepared <laughs> for this." <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely really tough. I, I jumped into the single because I, I had heard that you can unlock characters and things in the in the missions. So I just I was like, "All right, I can do this." And I, I did the first mission, and I was like, "Well, it was a little close." And then I died at the second mission twice, and I was like, "Damn, this is tough." And, and in a way, I actually personally, I kind of enjoy. I know that. It, it's definitely frustrating for a lot of people. I like that there's a challenge. There's only six missions too, right? now. I think there's only six. I like that. It can't just blow through them. You know, I like that. It's a little tough and I kind of have to re strategize how I'm approaching these missions just because there's only a finite amount of them. But um, yeah, yeah, I I can definitely, I've seen a lot of people talking about how uh, difficult they are. (laughs) And I, I would agree with that.
0: I was definitely, put off initially just because I was like, what the fuck? Like, why is this so difficult? Yeah. I should not. And not that I'm like somebody that prides themselves on being good at games, but I was like, there's no way that I'm, th- I'm struggling this much at this. But then, you know, the longer I attempted them and then diving into the multiplayer, mm. it's actually really a perfect primer because I didn't feel as, you know, maybe it's why, I had such a great time with the multiplayer so much more quickly than I usually do when I dive into multiplayer stuff. Usually there's, it takes, you know, a half dozen matches for me to kind of get my footing, but starting with the single player content and then diving into multiplayer, it's almost like I was able to kind of catch my breath a lot quicker in terms of like, okay, there's three teammates now and they can almost play defense for me while I take a step back and It's not always like, you know, the Deadite boot is on your neck, so to speak, because you have that kind of buffer. And, Mm -hmm. you know, going back and then trying to – I still haven't finished the last single-player mission, so I will admit that. Um, But it is the thing that I think – that is a good primer because it being almost more difficult than the multiplayer portion, it kind of does allow you to experiment more in multiplayer. And for me, at least, I didn't feel that, like, they were live-or-die stakes in that experimentation with, okay – I'm new to this defensive role for, you know, support or something like that. Let me play around with that. And even if it takes me a while to really learn the ins and out, there is that little bit of buffer in being part of a group now in multiplayer.
1: Yeah. So I think the survival-esque aspect of the main game comes into this quite well. But it still feels like taking you know, a mod uh, of a multiplayer game and trying to force it to be single-player. It does, You know, especially... The, the the biggest thing for me is the fact that these cutscenes you get that feel very disjointed that are just pictures, you know, between scenes. And, you know, it's, and, you know you're using the same maps and just all the same mechanics, but it imbalances everything for me because you are playing it in a way that doesn't work with the way the game is normally played. And it just feels odd in that to me. And I just found it very frustrating as an experience, you know, coupled with that initial problem that it had with servers at launch anyway, meant that it drove me nuts to get like to within millimeters at the end of a mission and then be kicked off and know that I had to do it again. You know, that's a the kind of yeah that's where it was like a souls game for me absolutely because <laughs> it was like that was that i think i might hurl this game into the river <laughs> if i can just and it, but then you calm down for five minutes and go okay i'll try again i'll try again and it's it's not me it's just the situation i can source it
0: well it is artificially difficult right yes because it you know being ganged up in that regard is never going to unless you know when you're playing multiplayer you decide you're gonna fuck off and Go by yourself, which, you know, there are the multiple negative aspects to that in a multiplayer match. You basically doom yourself. Um, You know, one of the main criticisms that I've seen about this game have been that there is it's multiplayer focus. There is no single player portion uh, in terms of it being a full fledged experience. But the single player content that's here. I think proves why with this direction, it shouldn't be a single player game, right? Yeah. If you're going to do something in the evil dead universe, that single player, it needs to be a linear narrative similar to what was it? Two other games that came out in the early two thousands. Was it uh, fistful of boomstick and regeneration where, yeah. you know, for what those games were, they were linear narrative games, but that works for that style of game. When you have something like this, and you try to strip the multiplayer component and you're like, well, you can play it in single player. Mm. It's like, well, that's not a highlight. Like Brandon had said, the only reason I started, kept playing with them was I wanted to unlock characters for multiplayer.
1: So that was it. And, you know, I I, I know some people have enjoyed them despite the difficulty, but just going back to what I was saying about, it, it galls me that there's ever complaints about It being only one mode because this is a game that could have done with being one mode you know because this is it feels like bonus content on a dvd you know it doesn't feel like it belongs with the main package it's just it's supposed to sort of accentuate it but it doesn't it's it's not like some sort of in-depth making of featurette where you learn about the great Insights into how things were created and the process and all that. It's more like, you know, here's a featurette where everyone's chatting to TMZ or something. I don't know. And it doesn't do anything. It feels like it just could have been left, you know, and or been integrated more into the game itself. You know, it in a way, it feels like a decision was made at some point in development where they were like, we wanted it to be story led and be asymmetrical at the same time so they wanted to do what they did with bubble z and have this as well and then they realized nah that isn't going to work right and a smart choice i think because i think that would have made the flexibility of the multiplayer less because you would be having to hit choreograph beats a bit more and and it, that yeah it just wouldn't have gone right but maybe they could have left this bit off and come back to it and added it later. Yeah, you know, especially at the point, you know, they put it at a lower price point anyway. You know, and I, I get, you know, if, I get why that might be a point of contention, but yeah, I think maybe they will improve this though. I think, in time. I think this is one of the things that they'll look at and go, yeah, maybe we could have done that better. Maybe we could have integrated it better. And I actually wouldn't be surprised if down the line... With the success it's having, anyway, that it doesn't end up you know getting pushed into the multiplayer portion of the game more in a sort of more seamless, integral part of it, and it's sort of making it giving it more flavour when everyone's more versed in what they're doing, and then they can go, oh yeah, now here you go, now you can have like a full-on campaign where you've got to do this, 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 so you could have someone who's playing the demon in this in each map. And the survivors are playing each map and you're doing like a gauntlet of maps based on different stories and you have different objectives and that'd be great down the line. And I think that'd be the best approach if you're not going to just straight up fix straight away. Yeah, I mean, but the fixing the online necessity, that, that has to be done because that really kind of puts you at this thing in the back of your head going, what if that goes out? You know, it doesn't matter what I'm doing now. It doesn't matter how well I'm doing. But if the, the servers decide they're having a day off, I'm done. I, I'm going to be punished for that. And it, it's so it's either checkpoints or taking that connection off. And I, I don't see why it needs to be online anyway. There's nothing about it that, that really screams, I must be because they're not saving anything. I mean, that's the point we're making. They don't save the data. They don't let you have checkpoints. So come on. You no, know, just, just give it a bit of extra on there somewhere.
0: I was going to say, I think also like the the elements that people want from, a, like you have to be realistic going into the game, right? Is that yeah, it being a primarily multiplayer game, you can't expect any single player portion of that experience to fully deliver on what people that have that complaint really want, right? It's mm. it's not going to be that type of experience. No. And, you know, personally, I would rather have a single player game and, you know, ended up having one of the best horror multiplayer experiences I've had in a very long time and being satisfied by that and still being impressed with their ability to inject enough of the, you know, series IP, storytelling, character personalities. I mean, it helps obviously you've got Bruce Campbell Doing the yeah. voice of Ash and doing these quips and all these things. But even the the smallest of, you know, semblances of a story or a narrative behind the maps, right? You have the yeah. archaeologist that begins the map where he's like, you know, it's one of those recordings that's talking about unleashing the Kandarian demon and these things. Like, even those little kind of like flavor text or moments, like – It does add a level of production that you wouldn't attribute to a majority of multiplayer focused matches or something similar to this. Um, And I think that, you know, it's icing on top, but it goes a long way, I think, overall. And just the overall utilizing the IP to the full extent for this being a multiplayer focused game. Um, And I only mentioned the single player portion because, you know, that's been – something that I spent more time with than I was uh, expecting. But also, mm. like we had talked about, like it is, I think, a good, a solid, pri- you know, connectivity issues aside, I think it's a solid primer for presenting something far more challenging than, well, I guess, your mileage will vary with multiplayer in terms of, like, the longer <laughs> people play and leveling up characters and things like that. But I just found it to actually be, you know, a blessing in disguise that I spent the first three hours just playing single-player getting my ass kicked for a good portion of those first four missions that I've played and then getting into multiplayer and, you know, expecting something that was far more challenging, but then, you know, really relying on my teammates and it fostering teamwork in that regard in a way that uh, I found to be far more welcoming of a multiplayer experience than I was uh, expecting. How about you, Brandon? What were, um, what's maybe some of your hopes I guess for the future of, Evil Dead the game and, you know, not maybe specifically content wise in terms of more maps or whatnot, but like, how do you hope that the game will evolve? You know, the more the community kind of crops up around this.
2: That, that culture is, is what I'm most excited about. I I loved to see the way that the player base reacted to like Dead by Daylight and Friday the 13th, the game, like the memes that came out of them games are fantastic and hilarious. (laughs) And I think that Evil Dead definitely has the capacity to do that, especially because it's reinvigorating a franchise that a lot of younger demographics may not be familiar with as well. Um, And I've seen people talking about that already. I've seen a lot of people being like, you know, I've never even seen an Evil Dead movie, and now I have to see one. You know, I I played this game, Mm. and I have to see that. And I think it could be a really great, really great way of, you know, reintroducing that franchise to new audiences and seeing like there, there could be a whole new wave of evil dead fanaticism now. And, and and then memes Mm, and, and, you know, who, who knows, you know, what will happen from there. So I'm excited. And like I said before, I can tell that there's been a lot of planning into the future. This isn't the kind of game that Saber released. And then they just kind of were like, all right, that's it. We're done. Like, It's very obvious that they're very invested in long term here. And I'm excited to see what branches out as a result of that with the player base. As people get more integrated into the game, into the lore, um, into just like the gameplay mechanics and the formula, um, I think there's a lot of potential there that's going to be really capitalized on.
1: Yeah. And there's, you know, there's two as yet untapped. Portions of this you know, franchise, you know, with the you know the Freddy Alvarez remake, with Evil Dead Rise, which is coming soon as well, you know, it's going to give the game some extra pep in the future, and vice versa. As you were saying, you know, the people getting to know the Evil Dead through this, and then oh look, and there's a film coming out soon, you know, which is obviously a very deliberate choice all around to have a game that ends up promoting this. I also kind of hope it gets people to watch Ash vs. Evil Dead more as well, because that, you know, it was criminally underwatched anyway. You know, I know in this country it was like getting on TV was hard enough. You know, I think there was like one cable provider that had it and then they pretty much relegated it to an on-demand thing. And it was like, it's like, no. I mean, now we have it on Netflix and stuff. But back then it was like, oh, there's an Ash vs. Evil Dead series. And it's like, oh, that's great. Where can I can watch it. It's like, oh, only on this. like. Uh, that was before we had the uh, the current thing of different streaming services going oh well you could, you have to have this thing to have that thing and it was daft to say the least but yeah that, that series deserves more and now that it is out there on other streaming places maybe it will get a bit more love and that would be grand because while it ended on where it should I think it is still deserving of being more widely known for the, the batshit stuff it does Especially, but yeah.
0: <laughs> I, can, I can attest to, uh, to you know, the game being a great jumping off point for people that haven't seen the movies because like I was mm-hmm. able to coerce a couple of my buddies into picking up the game just uh, for something for us to work into our, you know, yeah. weekly rotation when people can all get together and whatnot. And they were like, oh, well, this is actually like kind of funny and kind of like picking up on, this is one of the things of why I think this game so smartly utilizes the IP in that, There's so many little nods to the movies or to the series and whatnot that, you know, they're able to inject a lot of humor into it without you having a great deal of context. And you don't feel like you're necessarily missing out on a lot of the jokes. It's kind of like very clear sometimes why certain people are saying something or why they behave this way and whatnot. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's a guy that has a chainsaw for an arm. So it's not exactly difficult to get on board with. Um, (laughs) But it's the type of thing where like my buddies hadn't seen the original movies. they had seen the, uh, the Fede Alvarez one, cause I made them watch it and now they want to watch the original ones. And so, you know, that I think, you know, as a horror fan, both the games and movies, obviously that's, uh, that's always a beautiful thing to see when you can kind of yeah. get your friends or acquaintances to kind of give movies a chance or series a chance that are outside of their normal viewing, uh, habits and genre, you know, inclinations and whatnot. That's always yeah, a wonderful absolutely. thing. And, uh, One of the uh, one of the benefits of getting people to check out Evil Dead the game, but uh, Brandon, this was a pleasure to get to uh, pick your brain about this another uh, seemingly evolution on asymmetrical horror gaming and whatnot. We were so happy to have you.
2: Yeah, it was great talk. I I I love talking about it. I love playing the game, and I'm excited to see where it goes. And and now we got even more to look forward to. We got Texas Chainsaw coming out soon too. So keep going from here, and I'm, I'm so excited about it.
0: Absolutely. Uh, before we let you go, though, why don't you tell people your Twitter handle so they can follow all your excellent work for, you know, Blade Disgusting, but Fangoria and the other publications you write for?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I'm mainly just on Twitter, but my handle is uh, it's, a, so, it's so it goes two underscores 13. That one <laughs> underscore always gets kind of lost every now and then. There's <laughs> so it so goes two underscores 13. <laughs> uh, that's mostly where I, I publish or I'll tweet about my work early on. Yeah, I've had Neil try and tag me in some articles I've written, and I'm like, "You got the <laughs> underscore, Neil." <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's that's mostly where I'm at. And so I got, I, got, I already, I currently have uh, quite a few great pieces in the works too. So love to love to cover, cover the hard games beat. That's where I'm at.
0: Terrific. Well, everybody, make sure you give Brandon a follow. And thanks again for your time, man. It was a pleasure. Thanks, guys. And that was our chat with Brandon Trush on Evil Dead the Game. Uh, I thought that was a pretty fantastic chat considering, you know, it was with someone that's seen the game from the inception of the preview build to review to chatting with the devs about their process of uh, asymmetrical design, multiplayer-focused games.
1: Yeah, that's the best thing about having Brandon on is he's uh, quite well-versed in that subgenre of horror. So, yeah... probably the perfect person we could have had on to sort of discuss this game.
0: And I think you and I are going to round out with some listener tweets, which we're always uh, incredibly, you know, thankful for from people that, you know, not only listens, periodically tweet nice things at us, you know, as, like everybody else, we appreciate compliments and whatnot, but also people that uh, are sharing their thoughts on, you know, whatever we're covering or even just recommendations on stuff that they've been playing and enjoying. And yeah. Everybody that is listening can tweet us at safe room pod, or we have a brand new fancy Gmail account that people can email us at if they don't uh, use Twitter and you can send us emails at safe room pod at gmail.com. And let's just run through some of these on some thoughts that people had about evil dead, the game. Uh, First up is at haunted P I X SOC. And they say it's been a mix of loving and struggling with the action button on campfires and crates. There are times it simply won't register. Uh, This Mm. was actually something that I failed, and this is why I like that we do this at the end of episodes now. I failed to bring this up in that I had a tendency to encounter this same problem that made some of the most hectic encounters in multiplayer matches. And this comes back to me mentioning, like, the single-player portion feeling artificially more difficult than it should have been. Here, this was the same thing where, you know... I would separate myself from the group because I would see, oh, there's ammo there. Or there's a crate there. Or yeah. There's a Shemp Cola over there and trying to get it and then having just that momentary sort of lapse in, you know, not being perfectly lined up with an item and then not being able to grab it. And that kind of would have been the thing that would have allowed me to be in the fight a bit longer or make that potential difference. Um, again, it's kind of something that I would assume given the you know the roadmap of evil dead that is going to be addressed periodically and we'll get to some of the other uh Mm. issues that maybe we had that some of our listeners are going to share with us in a moment here but it's one of those things that was a nuisance but i'm not going to hold it against the game too much because it seems like such an easy fix
1: yeah it it is something that sort of fades into the background when you're talking about the game in a general sense but yeah, yeah. like we were saying earlier it's like your experience may vary because it impacts you more negatively in a moment in the game you know it's like if it costs you somewhere you're gonna definitely be sour about it and understandably so but that's that's the way of it so yeah i yeah it, it suddenly sort of came flooding back to me when i saw him tweet that and i was like oh yes yes yeah <laughs> There are instances like that where it gets a bit because you know it's sort of alluded to the controls can feel a bit swimmy at points because that's the nature of it you're kind of coming out swinging and as a result you're not quite a fluid human being in that regard you are a clunky thing which yeah i think that's a design thing that can be tightened up a little bit i mean it's 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 a minor thing but yeah i can see how that can be aggravating
0: Yeah. And, you know, along those lines in terms of things that can be kind of tightened up uh, at Fox Ross says, I think the patch exposed some other balancing issues where they tried to fix other things. Pablo's ability specifically to basically be invisible in a game as dark as this is, is a pretty big problem. When scared, taking a hit or initiating an objective, he should be highlighted for a short time. Um, I actually found, you know, and I haven't played as Pablo in multiplayer. I played him obviously in that single player chapter. That his like invisibility uh, ability didn't work all that well, actually. I don't know. I found that like the deadites were able to notice me yeah I mean unless I was like a football field away, its felt like there was almost no difference and then almost like all of them then converge in that area on you once one of them detects you in a way that it wasn't as if like a group of deadites were obviously all together and then one notices me so they all do but like in I would go inside of a house. One would notice me and then a bunch would come seemingly from nowhere into the house. It was almost like I had a beacon on me or something. So
1: Yeah, this um, kind of leads back into what I was saying about it, feeling like the two sides of the game were separated and, uh, uh, from being one cohesive whole because the single player portion tries stealth, which works there because you're not having the uncertainty of multiplayer where you can't use it, you know, and such a, an ability doesn't really always complement what you're doing because you don't know where stuff's going to come from half the time so it doesn't matter you know being invisible when your teammates are around you can work to a degree if they're taking the focus and the heat but you yeah, know it's it does feel like one of those things that was left over from the way the game used to be and didn't you know i get they could to have different abilities and things to do but yeah, again, I think that's another thing that will be um, polished off and polished up a bit uh, as we go into later patches.
0: Yeah, and uh, up next is at J2KMN and they say they really love the game. Uh, they think that Saber manages to capture the feel of a Samority product, which you know I think is a sentiment that we all share based on our conversation. Um, yes. They say it's a little jank, but not jank enough for them at least to feel put off by. And that sentiment, I think, is one that you and I both agree with, right? It's that yes. there is, again, as we mentioned, there's some areas that could be tidied up, could be polished. But again, like I had said during our chat with Brandon, the foundation there already feels so much stronger than I find a lot of my experiences with some asymmetrical multiplayer games on both sides of the coin of Survivor and of Killer. Um yeah. was so much stronger right out the gate that the little things where it's like some kind of swimmy, combat controls for survivors or some of the environmental traversal stuff which is along the lines of like also trying to sometimes interact with items can be a little off but those are things that didn't detract from me spending 10 hours with the game over the course of you know the last week and a half or so
1: yeah I mean these are things that are going to be important I mean as we said Eoled's biggest strength is it knows how to be enjoyable both ways win or lose and so many popular multiplayer games have lost sight of that once they start to go for the competitive angle you know and you have high level players and it's it'll be high level players that will then go and whinge on social media about how oh, this tiny change that nobody else in the world would notice <laughs> has completely broken the game <laughs> right i can't believe i'm still playing this this bullshit and then you know now catch my next 12 hour stream of this game sort of thing it it yeah, and because you know they're tied into the thing of having to do it, but which I suppose it can make you a bit more bitter about <laughs> <laughs> these sort of little things going wrong. Um Yeah, so that that's the key thing they got right so far, and I think Sabre have been good at that so far. So yeah, I, I, I think it, it will continue to sort of push along that sort of line
0: that's along the lines of like the steam review that you see for a game. That's like the last patch has completely destroyed this game. It is a waste of time. And then you see their steam hours with the game and it's like 400 hours. It's just like, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, you certainly (laughs) seem to have gotten a little bit of enjoyment out of it, which kind of leads me into uh, our next tweet uh, from at Bach B a soup. They say they absolutely love the game, the art, voice acting, graphics, gameplay, and music my only their only worry is that it will suffer the same fate as most if it doesn't pump out some fast content and provide an ambitious roadmap though they say i got my money's worth already but i hope it has a long bright future um and again that's kind of like what i was saying a moment ago where what is already here and delivered feels like i got my money's worth and you know you always have that worry and i even mentioned like i had that hesitation where i was just like what does the future look like granted That's the only way that you can really view games such as this, in my mind. Like, you know, you're basing it on what is delivered day one, but you always have to hope and you kind of fear that, like, it won't have that roadmap leading down the road. Granted, Sabre, I think, gets a bit more leniency in that regard because of their roadmap with something like World War Z, which, again, is probably less of a probable IP to be as successful as it was, just because, again, of how kind of vague and not having a ton of personality World War Z has in terms of going off of yeah, the movie.
1: Not based on a not based on something that was beloved, you know, in any way, shape, or form.
0: <laughs> yeah. And making yeah. something that, you know, ended up having its own identity in a meaningful way. And, you know, considering now with Evil Dead and it's like the fan base is already there day one and loves the IP and they've capitalized on the IP in a pretty faithful way, I would say, from day yeah. one, like again, sky's the limit in terms of, like, the roadmap. And they've already hinted at, like, okay, we're going to get maps tied to individual films in the series that, you know, hopefully will have the same level of detail and intricacy that, you know, the maps Mm -hmm. that we have on day one had. Yeah. Um, But next up is our buddy uh, Harrison Abbott, who's at Harrison Abbott 13. Um, And Harrison seems to not enjoy it as much as uh, we did. He said he deeply wanted this to be his favorite asymmetrical multiplayer game, because he prefers the IP to, say, Friday the 13th. Unfortunately, it hasn't been able to grip him. Every match follows the same exact structure, and it doesn't make him feel like he's in a dynamic movie scenario. Friday the 13th and even Dead by Daylight succeed in making me feel like I'm starring in a tense slasher movie with everyone else. Uh, Evil Dead just makes him feel like he's button mashing to defeat totally unthreatening enemies. Um, I will say I agree in regards to uh, the additional content that they're going to include in the game. There needs to be a bit more variation in the structure of a mission or a map, I think. You know what I mean? Like for this, what we have day one, I think it's fine for establishing the game. There's enough there in terms of like the roles that people play, which we've talked about with Brandon, right? That it's not so much about the amount of modes or maps that's important right out the gate because there's multiple play styles and there's multiple ways to master this massive map that again is randomly generating every time you play it and whatnot that I don't see that being an issue for a while granted down the road, when we get these additional maps and things like that, I think there does need to be a bit more variation in terms of the objectives. If it's carbon copy that mode on just, just a different map, At that point, I might want a little more variation in regards to what you're actually carrying out because, you know, the longer we get from the initial release of the game, the more we've mastered those different combat roles and defensive roles and character traits and whatnot that I'm going to need a little more deviations in terms of gameplay.
1: Yeah. um, I don't think this at all about it. I don't think it's a problem with the game. I think it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. I mean it's not going to be like Dead by Daylight or Friday the thirteenth because Evil Dead's not the same kind of thing. You know, it's and I can see why that might disappoint if you're you're hoping for something more like that. But I think the important thing it had to do first was tie into the essence of the IP and make sure that it was Evil Dead incarnate in what it did. Which I think it does. I think you know we discussed at length, you know, that it it has that malevolent mischief and slapstick um, deadliness to it. You know, there's a juxtaposition between that that's always been there in Raimi's films and even you know the series, and maybe less so to the, the remake, but you know that's not present here. And yeah, so that that can make it a bit. If you get that, you know what what is there is bare bones when you look at it like that. Um, but there's so much more going for it. I think you know, it's starting on a higher plateau, if you will, than those games because there's so much more to it. You know, and I think it's because okay. you're not really supposed to be scared. You know, it's a ghost. You know, it's haunted house. Like we said, you know, it's like it's just trying to play shits and giggles on you constantly and that's the point and somebody gets to be the person behind the scenes you know poking the plastic ghosts out and i would yeah i would say i feel that the enemies
0: are threatening for that very regard that we just mentioned like what we're talking about and that it's it's unknowable and the bag of tricks that the demon has at their disposal are varied enough yeah. that you can't really anticipate even though you might you know fall into certain grooves and patterns match to match and kind of like getting an idea of what they're typically going for. But I found that, again, it's much more interesting as a survivor to face an ever-evolving or unknowing series of threats than something like Friday the 13th or Dead by Daylight, where it's like the killer's going to pop out here and make sure you're more than arm's length away, which has been the brunt of my experience with those games. So in that regard, I disagree, but I agree with Harrison that like, I would like to see them tie in more mission objectives that maybe, you know, are resemblant of the kind of goofy slapstick nature of that. Like I was just thinking of something that might feel a little more cinematic where it's like, if you're in the cabin or you're in an area and there's a more restrictive environment that the demon can sort of manipulate to fuck with the players and the players have to carry out a certain series of objects kind of, Something along the lines of like an Evil Dead 2, and you know, the cabin starts moving in different ways, and like the I mean, deer you head. You can
1: and- do that, yeah. You can do the deer head thing, I don't know that much. So, that, I mean, stuff like that is there. I think there are little nods and easter eggs to in terms of possession and little funny things you can do. Just like there's like certain items that can only be found in one place, you know, and like legendary items and things like that, which is really cool. Um, but yeah it goes back to what I was saying in the episode uh, earlier is that I do feel that it, that these two parts will come together at some point and we will have more of a story focused style of doing this uh, as it goes. Uh, something we didn't mention actually earlier is that uh, is quite impressive is that having a full suite of options for playing the modes, you know, that you can play with bots if you don't, want to worry about other people so you can learn the ropes of how to play the game without having to worry about that i mean it the ai isn't great necessarily because you know it's survivor but when is it ever these <laughs> right. things but you know, they at least listens yeah
0: they at least listen when i'm in a car and i start honking and they go to the car yeah. at, least. at the very least that's all i can ask for right
1: that's it and it, yeah it gives you a good idea of what you want to do and i think that's a refreshing thing to have that you aren't just restricted to again which just makes the whole you must be online etc etc thing very baffling when there are stuff that you don't really require it and it's still sort of tied into it but Yeah, again we'll see I think down the line as I said there will be ways of changing the formula slightly whilst keeping to it you know, and because that they've laid the groundwork the essence is there now they can play with that in many different ways. And I think that crucially is where what, with what's coming, you know, with evil Dead rise could be an interesting sort of addition to this because, you know, that's in a high rise building, you know, that really changes the dynamic of what you're doing. You know, that's floor to floor. And, you know, they've done that with world war Z and having like multi-story buildings and going through that. And I mean, that to me, the movie already sounds exciting in that regard to me because it makes me think of uh, Demons 2. Yeah. Where they do the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, a game like Demons 2? Fuck yeah, I love that. <laughs> that would be brilliant. Uh, yeah, in fact, just stick it in there as Demons 2. I would be absolutely over the moon at the idea. Yeah, so we shall see, I suppose. But yeah, it's this is feels like the groundwork package. Uh, that's what they had to get out. But yeah, I, I can understand the complaints.
0: Well, next up is uh, at Mr. Green Tos, and they say aside from the few combat exploits that just got patched out, they've been enjoying the game quite a bit. The level system might be hit or miss a few in a few months, in which newer level one players facing against level forty five demons, and still no clue what the season pass holds yet. Mm. Um. So that was my initial. Fear, right? When I started to see more into the leveling system, the progressing and whatnot, and then, you know, joining a lobby initially, and I was, you know, level one versus a bunch of people that were like in the mid-tens or even 20s. Yeah. At the end of the day, though, like, I don't see it being that much of an issue just because of chances are you're going to be paired with people that are going to be more experienced than you. And again, there is a little more breathing room I've found in my experience where. You're joining in and you're for the first few levels handful of levels you're just getting a handle on combat the fundamentals getting past that initial kind of frantic nature which which everybody wants to arm up and everything and you just learn through playing that sounds so simplistic to say but it's the type of thing where it's like yeah you're going to encounter people that have a higher demon level that really know what they're doing they've really found out all the you know little strategies that they can use with those powers but I don't know, chances are you're going to be paired with people that have your skill level or a higher skill level and there's just enough variables for survivors, even if it's unbalanced. I never felt like I was getting brutally crushed, at least not yet. At least not in my 10 hours.
1: Yeah, and as we were just saying in response to what Harrison said, it's there that you have these modes that are bot-based. You will be able to sort of be coaxed in gently and you're getting rewarded for it still you know you can still you know XP can still be earned all these other things can be done so it will give people the option of playing it in gentle and trying things out and working out what they want to be and then it really does just come down to skill level I mean someone who plays 500 hours and can unlock everything yeah and like high level doesn't mean they necessarily got good at it you know, it's like you know I regularly found that in sports games you know it's like you can tell the people who buy everything up in the microtransactions and stuff like that and pad their team so it's amazing and then you can dick them over with a team full of nobodies because they don't it's, you know they hope that by buying the talent and getting or putting the hours in that it will somehow make them better but if you don't have a natural news for what you're doing you're never going to be that great so that, that's the great Upsetting nature of competitive gaming, you know, is that you can beat someone who's had a lot of experience because hubris comes into it, and you know, just general, you know, a lot of hours don't equal improved skill necessarily.
0: Definitely, yeah. I don't have those same fears of multiplayer gaming. You're always going to find people, like you said, that their level is indicative of the amount of time they've dumped into something, but. It's more about working as a team, and I think that'll be even more evident, right? When you have a team that actually works together, it doesn't matter how many hours somebody's dumped into something, or even if they're really good, because at the end of the day, if you have those four people working in tandem with one another, there's enough variables there that they could overcome even the most hardcore of players. But in uh, rounding out with our last listener tweet, it's from at D. D-E-M-I-C-H-U-U-S. And they say they are absolutely in love with the game. They hope that the developers continue to improve and add content to the game. Fans want this game to make it in the long run 100%. They just hope that the developers don't let popular streamers influence important decisions they make. And, you know, again, this comes back to Saber's track record with something like World War Z. Hmm. With something like Evil Dead, where right out the gate, not only do they understand the IP, but they're delivering something that we've, you know, at this point said ad nauseum. Like, (laughs) there is a great foundation with this game. And it's a developer that I think when they have that much passion and they put it into something like World War Z that identity-wise is fairly shaky and they're able to deliver something that's as strong as that and give it the roadmap and the improvements that it needs, there's no way that they're not going to give that same level of Love and attention to something like Evil Dead, where there's such a fan base behind it, and you know this is what they delivered day one. Imagine what they're going to deliver in day thirty, day sixty, day ninety, and so forth.
1: Yeah, uh, and you know they'll have the freedom of it you know, to do what they need to do, uh, and it's not going to have that kind of red tape. That, that's probably the most refreshing thing about the whole experience. Is that it feels like a game that is generally free of corporate bullshit uh, in terms of like there's doesn't seem to be much in the way of no you can't use this no you can't use that and no you have to take you must promote this part or that part you know it would have been very easy to just sort of say no delay the game till rise comes out make sure you have like a whole thing that's dedicated to that but we can't show you anything of what you're going to do apart from some concept art or something you know that sort of bollocks that can happen but yeah so it's nice to see this and you know with gun doing texas chainsaw as well you know two studios getting to really dig into something that they they enjoy and making it a celebration, you know, and that's what it comes down to, you know, The it is a celebration from top to bottom. It, it feels like they, they could have needed a little more time to work out some of the kinks of merging single to multiplayer, but other than that, you know, it's a really strong package for what it is.
0: Absolutely, and... As always, we appreciate people that uh, reach out and share their thoughts on what we're going to cover. We always announce, you know, a handful of days out from our recording date on our Twitter account, what we're going to be talking about. And we always would love fielding, you know, thoughts or even game recommendations from listeners and whatnot. So if you want to keep up with that or tweet us your thoughts on what we're going to cover or, you know, especially for our uh, bite-sized indie horror segment, Horror Bites, if you have something you want to recommend – you guys should feel free to tweet us at safe room Pod, or you guys can email us at Saferoompod at gmail.com. Again, if yeah. you'd like to share your thoughts on a game that we're going to cover or just, you know, horror recommendations in general or, you know, compliments you have about the show or things we could do better because we are always striving to be better every week. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Neil, as always, it's a pleasure chatting horror with you for Safe Room. Yes. Until next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. If you enjoy the show, please rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at SafeRoomPod for show updates. And we'll see you guys next Monday for another horrifying episode.